0: This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am Jolan Sami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardoch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit.
1: America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org.
0: This weekend on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., in partnership with Lanza Broadcasting in Michigan and the Midwest, we're delighted to welcome to this program two extraordinary leaders, Governor Phil Bryant a guest host of America's Roundtable, and Roger Helmer, who served as a member of the European Parliament, representing Great Britain in Brussels. We begin our program with Governor Bryant. Governor Bryant served as Mississippi's 64th governor from 2012 to 2020. And before becoming the state's chief executive, Governor Bryant was Lieutenant Governor State Auditor and represented his legislative district in the Mississippi House of Representatives for five years. As Governor, the Honorable Phil Bryant led Mississippi in implementing transformational public education reforms, promoting economic development, advancing strategic trade missions, and building a competitive business climate that attracted major employers like Yokohama Tire Corporation, Amazon, and Continental Tire. Governor Bryant also served as chairman of the Southern States Energy Board, impacting 16 states in in the South and Chairman of the Interstate Oil and Gas Compact Commission. Governor Bryant serves on the Executive Advisory Board of International Leaders Summit and is spearheading efforts at Bryant Sanji Snell Global Partners, where he provides strategic advice and counsel and business development services to some of the world's largest industry leaders. And on this note, we welcome Governor Bryant. Welcome to you, sir.
1: Welcome, Governor Bryant.
2: Oh, thank you, Joe. Natasha, great to be back with you. Um, I hope it's warm where you are at there in DC, maybe for the first time in quite some time. We are colder in Mississippi than perhaps our friends in the nation capital uh, just this week.
0: Governor Bryant, this past week, we lost a great American hero, a great American patriot, Rush Limbaugh. And for our listeners, we would like to share with them that this program, this weekend on America's Roundtable, is dedicated to the memory of Rush Limbaugh, a great American and a true conservative leader. And I know, Governor, you knew Rush Limbaugh, and we would certainly welcome your thoughts on the passing away of a great conservative leader.
2: Well, he was just that. Rush, we've heard so many accolades. Great leader. Uh, Obviously, he changed the dynamic of talk radio. You had Paul Harvey, which came on usually around the noon hour, and everyone would listen. But the dynamic of a Rush Limbaugh Uh, In mid-afternoon, beginning a a three-hour talk show was unheard of. And I began listening to Rush in the 1980s, and certainly we crossed paths in the uh, Republican National Convention and some uh, areas, uh, particularly later on in the Donald J. Trump campaign. But not only was he just a great uh, spokesperson for those of us that are conservatives, he reinforced in such an articulate manner what we believe. And when we were being told back during the the Reagan administration and Bush administrations that we were wrong, that we were wrong-headed, that the conservative movement had died with Barry Goldwater, in comes Rush Limbaugh and says, you are not wrong. There are millions and millions of others just like you that have conservative ideas. And ideals, and believe in those, and love this country, and I am one of them. Rush had a, a, a wicked sense of humor. I would often smile, and he would say, "And talent alone from God." He knew he was being reverent in that—that that, that God did, in fact, have other power, and that we just derive our power from what blessings He bestows upon us. But. He also knew that the liberals just could not stand to hear him say that. They could not stand the fact that he would say, I'm right 99.9% of the time. But that was his sense of humor. A great philanthropic individual, uh, Rush donated and supported organizations and did not always take credit for it after seeing the transformation of talk radio by this great man's great mind where will it go now now there, there's many like this show that are that have taken up that torch of conservative talk radio hundreds now around the nation local and national so that is the legacy of rush limbaugh what you are doing today and what the listeners are enjoying Uh, I think is a direct result of Rush Limbaugh in the 1980s being that pioneer, and we will always remember him as just that, America's great pioneer in talk radio.
0: Indeed. Thank you so much for those meaningful words on the passing away. Of Rush Limbaugh. And Governor Bryant, in regard to the energy crisis impacting the state of Texas and compounded by the harsh winter, the Wall Street Journal editorial board writes when relaying concerns about the state's renewable energy outlets failing, namely frozen turbines and solar panels, and I quote, in short, there wasn't sufficient baseload power from coal and nuclear to support the grid. Baseload power is needed to stabilize grid frequency amid changes in demand and supply. When there's not enough baseload power, the grid gets unbalanced and power sources can fail. The more the grid relies on intermittent renewables like wind and solar, the more baseload power is needed to back them." Unquote. Governor Bryant, as a state governor for eight years, and Lieutenant Governor, you have experienced natural disasters and the cold winter front impacting the South. Uh, Governor Bryant, what are the lessons that we can learn from Texas' most recent experience uh, with these back-to-back winter storms and, and the energy crisis and what you all are impacted in the state of Mississippi?
2: Well, first I can tell you as a governor, You have to remember that the power grid, the power sources, the baseload power, and here in Mississippi, we have one of the most successful nuclear power plants just not far from my home in Port Gibson, Mississippi, in Grand Gulf, owned by Energy. It's been there since the 1980s, but we also depend upon natural gas, which now is more abundant and more uh, efficient and cost effective than ever before and so mississippi is indeed an energy state not not like texas or oklahoma nothing to compare with that but in part the wall street journal is exactly right these privately owned companies that provide that baseload power have done so for years through nuclear, coal, and natural gas, and it was safe. It was efficient. Now, coal, obviously, we need to do a better job and have done a tremendous job in reducing the CO2 emissions of coal. But natural gas and nuclear is clean, efficient, provides energy jobs, hundreds of thousands in Texas. And so somewhere along the line, and, and I'm not saying Governor Abbott did this, but if you look at the green states like California, Governor Newsom there, they began to say, we're going to do away with hydrocarbon fuels. We're going to do away with coal. We're going to do away with natural gas. And for heaven's sakes, we don't want nuclear power plants. So we're going to do away with those. And we're going to depend on intermittent energy sources like wind and solar. Because it, windmills don't work all the time. They don't work when the wind's blowing. Even the wind's blowing and it freezes. As it is now, it stops working. So does solar panels. And so what happens is the private sector oftentimes feels compelled by the political pressure uh, of the media and the Democratic Party to use renewables, to use solar and wind. And I have talked to, as, as chairman of the Southern States Energy Board, I've talked to leaders of the industry that say we have to build a solar panel farm. We have to put up windmills. We know they're not effective. We know they're not efficient. We know they're intermittent and do not provide the baseload power that we have to have, but we're going to pay the ransom. We're going to get the, the media off of us. We're going to stop MSNBC and CNN and New York Times and all of those, the Houston Chronicle, all of them from pounding our company by saying, oh, look, we're a green company. We have solar panels. We have windmills, knowing that they will not work under conditions that we see now. Back to Governor Abbott. He realizes, as I did as governor, this is primarily a private sector market the energy industry. Now, it's regulated. It has to be regulated because it is a, a service that must be provided to businesses and to homeowners and must be done so at an efficient rate. So it is regulated, closely regulated. The Governor Abbott has little, if you will, control over what those private sector companies do When they began to invest in renewables, you've got ERCOT there in Texas, the Electronic Liability Council of Texas, and they began to help make these decisions. And they are very strong in supporting natural gas and nuclear and and coal to some extent. The political dynamics of the left. And look, we've heard our newly elected president, President Biden, say we're going to do away with coal. We're going to do away with fracking, which will stop or if not eliminate the natural gas phenomenon that has made this nation energy independent. So do away with fracking. Stop all the natural gas. Do away with a pipeline uh, from Canada that would provide 100,000 jobs and energy into the heartland of America. Stop all of that. Force governors through their policy in states to adapt renewables and wind and solar incentivize it with federal dollars, take my tax money, and pay companies to put up windmills and solar plants, say that uh, nuclear power plants are unreliable and dangerous, Uh, blame them for events that took place in Japan in 2011 after an earthquake triggered a tsunami. That had nothing to do with the plan other than that some of the backup generators were underwater because of a tsunami that occurred how many tsunamis will we get in america but all of this is politically driven by the left and their allies in the radical environmental community and the victims are now being seen in the homes that are uh, without energy and the people who are suffering all across the southeast texas oklahoma louisiana And, in fact, Mississippi, where I am in my home now with no power, no electricity. Now, they're doing a very good job here. It'll be back on, I can assure you, because we do have base load. The lines are just down. But I can feel for those that may be in Texas, weeks, weeks without power. This is a life-threatening winter storm that we should have been prepared for. This
1: tragedy really provided lessons that you mentioned, that wind and solar powers are unreliable, and we are going to get more of them if we continue to subsidize them, that the electricity grid needs baseload power provided by reliable nuclear or coal to weather surges in demand, and that natural gas is crucial. Governor Bryant, you were chairman of the Southern States Energy Board, covering 16 states and having most successful nuclear energy plants in the United States of America. Looking at Biden administration, which should pay heed to these major blackouts impacting millions of American citizens when proposing the $2 trillion subsidized Green New Deal and expanding renewable energy mandates to meet 100% carbon-free electric grid. By 2035. Governor Bryant, what would your message be to Biden's administration?
2: My uh, message would be you are going to cost lives and hundreds of thousands of jobs. People will die. This is not the last winter storm we will have in America. Most of them you see in the Northeast. But just look at California during the summer months. So when you get the rolling blackouts that occur there in the Golden State, my goodness, the energy production Capability for California is unequaled. This religion of the left on the Green New Deal, which has been driven by a young lady that was just a few years ago working in a restaurant tending bar in New York. Now, I have nothing but respect for young women and young men that work in the restaurant industry. I'm not trying to, to criticize her at all, but she came from a rather modest background to now establishing, uh, this young congresswoman is establishing the energy policies for the United States of America. And hundreds, if not thousands, will die, whether it's heat in California, freezing to death across the southeast. Again, Governor Abbott, I can tell you as governor, when when the energy companies come to you, when organizations come to you and, and say, we are prepared for this, well, ERCOT meets with the governor and says, trust us, We are prepared, then you have to trust what you were told. Governors don't have the independent ability to go out to their uh, distribution centers, to go out to their plants and say, let me see what your production is. They have to accept that what they're being told by the experts, by the scientists, by the engineers are factual. But we know this if we do away with coal completely, if we do away with nuclear power plants, If we do away with natural gas, I agree there are some challenges, but believe me, the natural gas companies are meeting every one of them. They know how to keep those pipelines running. But if we do away with those, people will die. We will be a third world country hoping that the wind is blowing, praying that the the sun comes out and that we can have some intermittent electricity and the days of the joy and uh, success that companies have from low cost energy and reliable electricity, particularly in the healthcare industries, will be gone. That two generations will say, I have my four hours of electricity today. I want to make sure I can use it. So let me get home because I only have four hours of electricity today in my home or four hours of electricity in my industry. That's what the new Green Deal will bring us.
1: Right. I mean, it is disaster. Uh, I just wanted to mention a few years ago, Russia stopped delivering natural gas needed to power electricity grids in various countries in Europe, and millions of households were without heat in the middle of the winter, and They called it a national security issue because in Europe, they said we cannot depend on Russia's natural gas because they can just close the pipe whenever they want it. Well, I dare say that we have an enemy from within in the United States of America with the new Green Deal. It is going to be a different kind of national security in question.
2: There is no doubt about it, and you're right. If you look at what Angela Merkel Chancellor Merkel, did in Germany, and I have friends in Germany. I brought Continental Tire Plant, a German-owned company, to Mississippi, the largest plant in their universe, and And they are remarkable uh, people, great engineers, great builders. But their political system has been infiltrated by the Green Party. They went through Germany and Europe, in large part, went through a decade ago or longer, what we're going through now with the new Green Party, the new Green Deal now. And you see what it has done, doing away with the nuclear power plant, as I said. And when Fukushima had the tsunami horrible conditions that occurred because of an earthquake. Again, it had nothing to do with the nuclear power plant. It was a tsunami. But that occurred in March of 2011. Germany, Europe, and in fact, the world began to base their decisions on nuclear power uh, on a phenomenon such as a tsunami. Obviously, Chernobyl began the, the discussion. The Russians made every mistake that you possibly could in that plant resulting in the disaster that is Chernobyl, but in large part, nuclear energy is safer than any form of energy in the history of mankind. More people have died trying to start bonfires, trying to start a bonfire. More people died on wood-burning stoves, trying to start a wood-burning stove than ever in the nuclear power industry, ever. But we didn't say, oh, my goodness, we've got to outlaw wood-burning stoves. We've got to outlaw bonfires because people set themselves on fire when they do it. You know, electricity, if we had seen Benjamin Franklin capture that lightning strike on a key and it had struck him dead, we might have said, never again will we ever deal with that electricity because it kills people. And, in fact, electricity continues to take lives today and accidents, in, but not nuclear. But yet, because of a couple of incidents that occurred, particularly the one uh, in Japan where there was not one injury, not one person was harmed. Now, the country that's not listening to that, not listening to the Green New Deal or or, or to the congressman from New York, is China. When I was in China in 2008, they were planning on expanding 15 nuclear power plants In the next decade, they had bought so many parts and equipment from uh, companies that make those portions of nuclear power plants that are necessary for it. They had bought so many of those parts that other countries could not. It was taking decades for other countries to be able to find the necessary portions of the plant to begin a plant. But China, China will be energy independent. China will be running and and using safe nuclear energy and for the next hundred years while again we are here hoping that we can keep the lights on in the emergency room long enough to take care of the individuals who need health care across America. We will be limited in our businesses and in our homes, how many miles we can drive in our electric car. Our life will be under the total control of some federal agency that will dictate to you how many hours or minutes or kilowatts or megawatt hours, uh, your state and your city will be able and your business will be able to use in electricity.
0: Governor Bryant, we thank you so much for your leadership and your principled work over the years in the energy sector as you have so clearly articulated and the importance of not relying upon renewables, as you've rightfully mentioned with the Biden administration pushing for mandates to meet a 100% carbon-free electric grid by 2035. So we appreciate your leadership in presenting a principled solution by making sure that we have a diversified portfolio, if you may say, making sure that we use clean energy, that we use fossil fuels, that we use nuclear energy, uh, because we cannot rely upon renewable energy in America. Thank you so much for your leadership.
2: Joe, thank you. We call that all of the above. We want to use all of the above, renewable solar, wind where it it can be used, but our base power must be what we know now, and that's nuclear and hydrocarbon.
1: Just wanted to briefly ask you, Governor Bryant, what would be the ideal mix of these energies or energy sources for American economy?
2: You know, I think you're looking at probably a seventy thirty somewhere along those uh, lines. Obviously, it would be different in Arizona and in Mexico, where solar is much more effective in some areas in California. But again, this rush into the Green New Deal is going to be disastrous. And as Americans are going about their lives enjoying, and we all, since the, uh, the beginning of our ability to provide electricity, enjoyed a low-cost an effective and reliable source of electricity, all that will go away. All that will change. So what we're seeing now will be the norm in the future. It will not take a hurricane. It will not take a winter storm. All it will take is a Green New Deal.
0: Thank you so much indeed, Governor Bryant, for joining us on America's Roundtable. And Governor Bryant served as Mississippi's 64th governor from 2012 to 2020. And Governor Bryant also served as chairman of the Southern States Energy Board, impacting 16 states, and chairman of the Interstate Oil and Gas Compact Commission. Thank you so much, Governor Bryant.
1: Thank you, Governor Bryant. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you all.
0: This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am and Sami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardoch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit.
1: America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena, Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org.